dude, that's awesome. Right. Yeah, so I'm feeling especially a little crazy. I forget around anniversary times. I just get I'm a little squirrely. Yeah. Yeah. Even now, like even after 16 years, it's like seriously. Yeah. But yeah. It's weird. Don, you're recording now, right? Yeah. Good. I get <laughs> I get squirrely when I always relive it. I always bit. relive it, and I and I never think I'm going to. Yeah. I got sober on Memorial Day that year. Memorial Day changes. So my legalistic sponsors say I have to use the date. So it's Memorial Day. Yeah, it's like Thanksgiving changes every year. Yeah, it changes every year. But it only comes around once a year, so I don't think it's cheating. But that's the thing is I relive it every Memorial Day. Because Memorial Day is on Monday, and the weekend is the the big party that I had and made the realization I got to quit was on a Sunday. And every Sunday before Memorial Day, it comes flooding back. Exactly yeah. what it felt like. And uh, what what like what is that? Do you you just like remember everything, or do you just what? Yeah, I remember the uh, feeling that I am fucked. <laughs> I'm gonna have this. Is it to not put too sharp of a point on it? <laughs> I'm, and, um, I'm not running for Superior Court judge, so I think I should be okay. <laughs> but I would not want to be in politics for anything in this world. Can oh, dude, look who's in politics imagine. now. We can run for anything. But are they not all drunk? I'll tell you, the I time that I spent... guy was a drunk. They, the times that I spent in that band for a while, mm-hmm. and I was sober, but we played a state... We played something for, I think, or somebody... Nobody throws down like a politician. I don't care <laughs> who you are. At a certain point, they break out the fruit liquor. And I mean, I was astonished. It's just, they're, they're just, they're just, <laughs> nobody parties it. like a politician. I don't think they have anything over like, you know, Snoop or anybody. Like, none of those guys. <laughs> like, I think they really are, they're the kings when it comes to wow. that. Wow. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the Boil Dow Coffee Club Podcast, the meeting after the meeting where we talk about our experience living sober. We don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. This is only our experience. We have no monopoly on sobriety. If you don't like our approach, that's okay. There's lots of ways to live and lots of ways to live sober. This works for us. I'm Don. (laughs) I'm Sam. Hey, Sam. Hey, Don. How you doing? I'm uh, just sitting over here recovering as hard as I possibly can. Well, you know, we've got a nice breeze through here, so I'm not noticing a bead of sweat on your head with all that recovery effort. No, I'm bearing down easy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm letting go easy. Oh, you let go or be dragged, right? Yeah. What's been up with you? We were having a little bit of a chat beforehand, and a spiritual awareness that has come to me this this week, past week or so. So, you know, I've talked about Crystal Meth Anonymous before on the episodes, and one of the things that I'm aware of in CMA, particularly in places where it's not prevalent, is that, uh, that people will come to CMA and get some time. You know, they'll get a year or two and then leave that program and go only to AA meetings. Because CMA and AA go really hand-in-hand. Hand. They use the AA book, yeah. um, and there's often not enough CMA programs around or meetings around, so people go to CMA and AA meetings. Sure. And, um, but often, after they've gotten some time, after life has settled down, the chaos of new people in CMA 
is too much for the people who've gotten some time. And so they leave CMA. And I was talking with someone about uh, that experience and about gay AA. And I realized that I have done the same thing with gay AA. Uh-huh. You know, gay AA was here in Greensboro when I started. When I first came around, I think there were four meetings a week. That was all I could do. I, I could not go to mainstream AA. I was too scared of people and uh, particularly reactions to me being gay. And so I, I went only to the gay meetings, which it's really hard to do 90 and 90 if they're only meeting four days a week. Yeah. But the gay meetings let me get comfortable in the rooms of AA without having to worry about the gay shit. You know, it was because, I mean, anybody who's coming into AA is already uncomfortable. You're freaked out, yeah. And then throw on top of it the other things that, because we have women's meetings for the same reasons as well, that they don't want to have to deal with men in the meetings. Right. Amongst other things, I'm sure. But, um, you know, I didn't want to have to deal, for me in particular, with straight men in the gay meeting. So yeah. that's that's why I went. Um, so but, it would be like you're uncomfortable sharing completely with straight men in the room. Yeah, being vulnerable. Being and, vulnerable and feeling like you might be judged. And, and just also not even knowing how to interact with straight men in a in an intimate setting, which is what AA is. Yeah. The vulnerability, uh-huh. the, the openness with which we, uh, we share and talk with people during the meeting, but also before and after is really a... Uh, it was an unknown for me. I didn't know how to deal with straight men. I mean, that's something I'm still learning, and it's really kind of been, been kind of cool. But what I've also become aware of after having this conversation about people in CMA, leaving CMA and because it's too chaotic or whatever, that for whatever reason, I've done the same thing with gay AA. You've kind of abandoned it a little bit. Yeah. And it's one of those things that, um, you know, I will go to the Saturday night gay AA meeting here in Greensboro periodically. I'm, I'm not a consistent meeting goer there. And then there's also one on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights. Mm-hmm. And I hardly ever go to those. I was talking with someone else about it last night at a, uh, at a party. And what he pointed out to me was a conversation he had heard uh, or been a part of many years ago. And that was that I, as a gay man, am uniquely able to help other gay men get sober. I have something else that makes me uniquely qualified to help them. And that is that ability, that shared experience of being gay in America. So maybe you need to crank up the the going to the gay meeting. Yeah. I hear it's kind of the same thing as you're saying that. You know, I added in going to the men's meeting because I went to the meeting and had a lot of depth and there were a lot of newcomers there. It was really crowded meeting, so they had a breakout meeting that was in a smaller room. And then I started going to that meeting, and now I'm going to that. And that is a room filled with old timers. So it's not about the chaos. And I think I kind oh. of like went for the easier meeting, the meeting that's more about long term recovery, which is what I need and where I am. But I originally went to that meeting to add in a meeting with some newcomers in it. And now I'm not doing it. So I think I need to do this. Because the same thing, the meetings that have lots of newcomers are crazier, wilder meetings Mm -hmm. and not as comfortable. Kind of like going to a meeting to be there for other people instead of going there to see what I can get for myself. 
which I get a lot out of, like the men's meeting. There's mm-hmm. long-term recovery, but yeah, so I, I hear you. It's the same. I think it's the same thing, and we've got to be there for the new people who come in. That's it. So that's what's been going on in my spiritual awareness realm over the past week or so. That's good. You're <laughs> you're achieving gaseous form. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, I will be a, scu- a spiritual gas giant, but never as large as you. <laughs> we have a guest. Thank God. <laughs> I don't want to be a gaseous form. <laughs> I, oh, come on. I don't know. <laughs> Release yourself. <laughs> I would like to be some sort of a phenomenon, but oh, not a, a gaseous thing. Yeah. <laughs> phenomenal. That's phenomenal. How about a phenomenal gaseous? What'd you call it? Spiritual gas giant. Spiritual gas. It came from being a spiritual giant. It's yeah. like, oh, spiritual gas giant. Yeah. No, I mean, like the, the the nerd scientist in me like loves it. Sort of the Carl Sagan in me is like yeah. applauding, but then I also go straight to fart. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, we're gonna have fun today. <laughs> So, who are you? Oh, hey. <laughs> I'm Molly. Hey, Molly. Molly. I'm, yeah. Molly. I'm an alcoholic. I'm glad you're here, Molly. Yeah, I'm <laughs> really so glad you're here. here. <laughs> <laughs> so, how long have you been sober? So, it'll be 16 years, October 28th. Ooh, 16 years. Awesome. It's yeah. no longer a theory. Really? No, right? No, I'm pretty I'm pretty convinced I'm in the right place. I still can't believe that I'm sober. I was doing the math, though, and I've been... Sober longer than I was ever, than the number of years I was drinking. That's, oh, wow. That's kind of a nice feeling. Yeah. That is a neat place to tick over into, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I still feel like I need this. I mean, I, I got a four step in my truck right now. Like, I'm, and I'm going to leave here and go to my sponsor's house and do a fifth step. So, I don't know how people, I'm just amazed at the stuff that piles up. Yeah. Even with like semi regular maintenance, like, I just, it's well, nuts. I, but that's what it is. Is I mean, that's what mm-hmm. recovery is. Is not that it all goes away, that life go all problems go away, and I have you know I now have no problems dealing with anything. I completely have all the problems I always had, but yeah. I have a different way of dealing with them. Well, and every fourth step that that I've done has been to the best of my ability at that time. New yeah. things have come to my awareness. I've been able to delve deeper and, and things like that too on yeah. subsequent ones. So yeah. And then there's mm-hmm. that that business that yeah, the 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 tenth and eleventh step work that I don't know anyone who does it daily. I know they're out there. I'm not mm-hmm. them. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> you are guest. But <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> but um, you know, the, the stuff piles up. Yeah. Like you said, you've got an inventory so large you have to carry it around in your truck. It's in my the bed of my truck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I initially, sure. So Shirley K is my sponsor. She's is one of my two sponsors. There's Shirley K and then Roberta. They both have. I think Roberta's got over twenty some years experience, and then you know Shirley's got like forty mm-hmm. years experience. And it's still just very basic, and it's still just about the steps for them. And you said before we started recording that you go to a, one of your home groups. Is the jail. Is the jail meeting. Which, which I was it, really relating to what you guys were talking about earlier, thinking. because it is, you know, it is it is such a newcomer meeting. One of the things that I 
remind myself when I'm sitting in there is a lot of times I'll just sit there and look at them and say, thank you. You know, thank you for showing me what stubbornness looks like. Thank you for showing me what unwillingness is, you know, thank you. Thank you for showing me that if I hadn't stopped, that this is where I would be because part of what led me to getting sober was getting a DUI, appealing it to this state Supreme court level, lying about how much I had to drink. Like after I put my hand on the Bible and I swear when you know, they make you put your hand on your Bible and you're like, you're going to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. I knew from the beginning, I wasn't going to tell him how much I actually drank, mm-hmm. uh-huh. but, um, you that took experience. it to the Supreme Court. Oh, dude. You're fighting this thing. At that, well, see, I blew like a point zero eight, so I had all kinds of rationalization in my mind about why I shouldn't have been arrested. And at the time, I was also a journalist for the paper, so I felt like they were unfairly coming out. I mean, I had all kinds of fucking rationalization. <laughs> the reality is, is that that was the lowest I'd probably ever been pulled over because there had been times I should have been pulled over and had a higher, much higher So your rationalization is, you pull me over. At the oh, I've time. been way drunker I've been worse than this. this. This is unfair. It's true, though. But like, that was, that experience is what, you know, just that, I think that it was sort of the year after that. And I still celebrate my DUI conviction, August 28th, you know, 2002. Mm-hmm. And I got sober in October. Um just a couple months after. So that was sort of really the beginning of going to these drug and alcohol classes and doing all this insanity. But, um, is that how you found AA? No, I found AA. The first I had ever experienced, um, AA or had ever heard anything about it was from, um, I was working at the newspaper and I fell in love with this fella who was, he was sober. He was a journalist there. And he, which is unusual for journalists. It it really it really is. It's unusual for a lot of professions. It, it's really a lot. But it's that really one, every profession. you can say that about the like every culture. Like, I know it's like oh the Irish they're such yeah. drunks. Well, so yeah. are the Italians, the Greeks, the yeah. Russians. Like yeah. we're all just we all got it. But he, um, it was one of those things. I don't know if this ever has ever happened to you, but before I even like saw him, I knew that something had changed. I mean, it was just like. I don't know. I was like back in the back of the newsroom, like making copies or something. Cause I was a clerk at that time. And I was just like, something's different about today. And I kind of turned around and I saw this person. He was an intern at that time. And he was like starting, um, as a journalist there. And I just, I looked at this person. I said, my, in my, in my head, I said, my life is never going to be the same. And I don't know where, that came from, but ultimately I, you know, I fell in love with him and he really showed me just by that relationship, what Alcoholics Anonymous is. And I'm so grateful to him because he was such an incredible What do you mean by that, uh, by that relationship, by the way that he approached the relationship or by? Well, is a a lot of things. I mean, as far as he was like eight years sober. He was someone who um, got sober at 21, put himself through community college, then put himself through uh, undergrad, got through graduate school, all in sobriety, and was like living his dream. So I, to me, when I saw, when I think of sobriety still, I think, oh, this is the thing that you do to start 
doing what you what's been you know what you've always wanted to do. It's like this, like like That's the steps are the ladder, the that. ladders to your dreams for sure. So how how long did you know him before you went to AA? Oh my God, it was the loss of that relationship. Which eventually, it was the loss of that relationship which really led me to understand that I had a serious problem because he. You know, he I, he was the kind of guy we would walk down the street and he would sit on the corner with someone who may be homeless or was drunk and he would sit and he, he would sit down with them and say, you know, there's another way. There's another way to do this. Wow. And I just, he, he was such a great example of what Alcoholics Anonymous was. Like he would stop if somebody was stopped at the side of the road. He was so selfless in, in giving of himself. And I was so, I was really attracted to, to that. And just this kind of, just the way he lived was um, beautiful to me. But I did not want to stop mm-hmm. drinking as badly as I wanted to be around that and wanted to be, um, to be with him. It, what I did was I just kept hiding it. And it really, as a result, kind of accelerated my, you know, my bottom Interesting. So when he finally left, that was when, when I knew the relationship was over and that he wasn't coming back. That's kind of what brought that emotional bottom that, you know, that I got sober. (laughs) What I'm really like latching onto with this part of your story is, is, you know, one of our wonderful little tired cliches in AA of you may be the only big book that someone ever sees. Oh, yeah. That's right. And it's he was totally that oh, it was for beautiful you. Beautiful big book, yeah, yeah. Long before you came to AA, yeah. your experience of AA was this one guy, yeah, and it was incredibly attractive. Oh, and it was nuts because he was like the he was the youngest of eight kids, Irish Catholic family from Chicago, and I didn't know people don't at that time. I honestly did not know people don't drink like that was so <laughs> out of my interest. So. I just wanted to know, like, what is, what is this person about? How does this happen? Like, how do, how do you, you know, I started, we started going to like blues shows and we wouldn't drink. And I was like, this is amazing. I mean, it was a cra- it was crazy how it was kind of going in me, but that disease in me was also like, fuck you girl. Like, come on, like we got to get out of here. Yeah. We got to go drink. There's still, oh a, there's still a party to be had. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you yeah. were going to blues shows and not drinking? First time I, I ever saw Buddy Guy was sober in the old Durham Bulls ballpark. Wow. Yeah, and that's the first time I'd ever been to a concert sober. And I didn't know how I was going to get through it the first time. Like, I just remember, I was like, how am I going to get through this? And the next day, I remembered everything. Like, it was so, <laughs> I just couldn't. Yeah, was, <laughs> that, isn't that sweet? Yeah. I saw a weather report. I'm... Wow. I know I saw them. <laughs> I know you saw it. What do you I, mean? I, I, re- I remember going, but I don't yeah. remember one thing about it. I don't remember one sober? thing about that concert. I wasn't sober. Oh, no. well, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's me and Pink Floyd. I remember uh, the pigs coming out of the towers, and that's about it. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, to me, that was I why mean, I went lose, to concerts. Was yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but it's like I'm losing my life. I mean, mm-hmm. I would have lo- I would love to have some memory of that concert. I know, right? And yeah. it, you know, that's what I did. Is a, mm-hmm. is a blot out the present. Yep. By doing that. So what was that like? Um, I saw I Stevie Ray Vaughan's last show and don't remember it. I saw his last show in Alpine Valley. Wow. And I don't remember it. I saw Bonnie Raitt. Ooh. 
And she's one for the bucket list for me. She came, uh, she, she came on stage and started singing, and I said, "Whoa, I got to get a beer." And I, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be good. And I went out. She was playing in the Coliseum, and I went out. I had to go into the hall. You could hear it. Uh huh. And um, and the line was twenty minutes to get a beer, uh-huh. which I did, and yeah. I, and I went back, sat down. Sitting there with my beer, and she starts saying, "Today was my birthday, and I made it through my birthday sober. It was a rough night, mm-hmm. but I did it thanks to all my friends who were surrounding me and supported me to be able to be here and and live sober." And I'm like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> that was like because I felt so <laughs> mad at myself. For going to get a beer and missing the concert when yeah. I really wanted to sit there and hear, her, but I had to go get a beer, and it's kind of it's shown a light on it. I'm I'm totally getting a moment here of may you find him now, now, yeah, yeah, now, yeah, now, yeah, yeah. especially in the echoing part of the Coliseum or wherever you were. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I got kicked out of the Greensboro Coliseum. I'm very proud of that. At a fish show <laughs> for lighting up a joint. So. That was that's a special place to me. <laughs> you know, that's um, still difficult for me really? to be in situations where there's people drinking and it's a bar situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I can go to a concert at a theater or where you sit down. I recently went to Ireland and uh, oh, wow. we traveled around, and I I didn't want it to be this way, but I've you know been sober a long time, but. Yeah. I was uncomfortable in pubs, sitting there with everyone drinking and playing music. I could not get over the feeling that I'm missing out, mm-hmm. and uh, it it really messed with me. But you play, yeah, in clubs. Uh-huh. You play music. You're a musician, and yeah. you play in clubs. And you've been doing it a long time, and you've been doing it sober. Mm-hmm. So, what is that like as someone who's sober, living behind enemy lines? In yeah. Some ways? <laughs> no, I mean. Two, you just reminded me of two things. I did make it to Ireland before I stopped drinking. Thank God. So I went on a pub crawl. I don't remember anything. Of course you don't. Well, okay. I don't remember. Okay. So you just, Thank you. you would have that experience and you wouldn't remember anything. And it was, you know, I had this amazing experience about the history of the evolution of Irish music going from pub to pub to pub. I got so wasted. I still don't know how I got home that night. And for that reason, I, I cannot probably go to Amsterdam like, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of places now too that with the you know with marijuana being legal I I just can't I went to Colorado touring with the band when I was in sobriety and it was um, in Denver and and yeah. pot was legal and people are sparking up joints mm-hmm. all over the place that was that was hard at one point because you couldn't get away from it Damn, right. we were back in the green room and they were you know they were passing this thing around and I just had the most angry look on my face and I didn't know it, but my bandmate was like, are you okay? And I was like, I got to get out of here. And, and, and then, um, you know, and some, and that's, that's happened in, in recently, you know, I had this super cool thing. I got to go out to Alaska. I got to be a filmmaker on this race to Alaska, which is this month long media internship. It was the end of the race and we were getting ready to go out on a boat and I saw the people come on the boat, and I, this was the 4th of July, person after person after person is walking on with a case of beer in their hands. And I'm looking at my, and I'm doing the math, because I'm like, this boat is pretty small. <laughs> There's more and more people getting on this boat, and they're holding a lot of alcohol. There's no way I'm going to make it. 
like a it's gonna suck and b i'm gonna be trapped so i just kind of like looked to my next friend next to me and was like you know what i'm not feeling so good i gotta go and like it was one of those things where i knew i was in full flight because <laughs> I got off the boat, I started walking, and I didn't stop until maybe maybe two miles away from the boat. And I sat down, and you, and you know, and then you just start going, "Thank God I'm sober! Thank God I'm sober!" But there's also this like, man, you know, I just wish I could participate in life with life in this normal way. And right. some, sometimes I've had those moments, but it never outweighs the the joy and the gratitude that I have to be able to say that's not healthy for me and I need to get out. I need to bounce. I I so relate to what you just talked about. Um, Friday night, George Clinton and and Parliament House Funkadelic, they were in town Mm -hmm. and I had ticket. I bought a ticket, you know, two months ago for this thing and, and was really looking forward to going to it. And then the night of the concert comes and I'm not feeling it. Yeah. And it was one of those things that I was stressing about it. It's like I just getting a little, you know, just a little stressed and tense and shoulders up around my ears about it that I didn't want to go and participate with this thing. I didn't want to deal with the parking. You know, so I was Mm -hmm. not feeling a spiritual fitness type of thing. I don't want to go deal with the parking. I don't want to deal with people. I don't want to deal with the pot that I know is going to be there. I don't want to deal. It was at a, a in a parking lot of a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to deal with all the alcohol, you know, the beer being spilled, this, that, and the other. I don't want to have to deal with bathrooms. I just, I don't want to have to deal. You knew all that was going to be there and going to happen when you bought the ticket. Totally. But at the time, when the time came, I you, wasn't ready for you it. You weren't ready for it. You weren't feeling. Now, a different day, you might. Exactly. You might feel ready for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Perfectly yeah. okay. And but being honest with yourself. Is, is the way you can yes. stay and sober. And that's what is, is so cool in this situation, that I was aware of all that, and it was like, you know, I'm not going. And uh-huh. I, I called, I contacted a friend and said, hey, I've got my ticket. Do you want it? Yeah. And he took the ticket, and then I went to a meeting. Yeah. And I had a great night. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that I was going to a meeting to, like, oh, my God, I'm going to drink tonight. It was yeah. like, no, this is what I want to go do. I don't... I don't want to deal with this concert thing tonight. Yeah. I want to go be with friends. Mm-hmm. But same thing happened yesterday, although I was supposed to perform like at a, it's a music festival that some people I play with put on every year in the, in the mountains. And it was one of those days when I just didn't want to be locked out in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of people drinking a bunch of beer. And I just couldn't do it. I just mm-hmm. wasn't in the space to do it. Maybe it's like what we were talking about before. It's because it's the anniversary times or what, but you know, and it's, it's, it's tough to say, I can't, you know, I'm sorry guys. I, I can't be there today, but I think having some experience with knowing that I can step out of something and the world doesn't end mm. and, and that it's fine. Like I'm actually not that central <laughs> to the <laughs> festival going on and that and that part of my recovery is like my I have to take care of myself cuz I know what I would have done and I know what my friends do when they aren't in a place where or the spirit to perform they just drink it up I do not have that luxury if if I have if I I'm, if, what do you mean what what are you saying when they're in the place the spirit they drink it up what are you talking about oh like if you're just not feeling it or you're tired or uh-huh. you know 
because I, it's interesting being sober. I feel kind of a lot more of the ups and downs of the performance. Like I feel Mm -hmm. the anxiety. I feel the intensity. I feel, I feel the fatigue after doing four shows in a row. Now for my friends that drink, it's just pop one more and get Mm -hmm. through the next hour. Well, sometimes I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And I, I get resentful about that sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's just like, oh, I wish I could just yeah kick it up, but I, I've got to kind of come back to a more spiritual place. And it's like, okay, is this, do I need to take care of myself? Do I need to like leave a little bit earlier or like, what do I need to do to take care of whatever is out of balance? And that might be, you know, I'm thirsty. I need some time alone. I need to kind of like get away from everything. Like, what is that, that I need and then take care of it and i'm sometimes i'm just hungry right it's to kind of come back to it but two it's a spiritual thing and that's i think that's why i'm not i'm very transparent about me being sober and i'm about not drinking and i try to bring it up i don't try to beat it over people's heads but i do try to bring it up when i perform or just to talk about it because for me that you know, music was such an important part of me disco- rediscovering my higher power again that I, um, you know, you never <laughs> yeah. really know who who needs to hear it. You know, you never really, but to me, they're like, they That's really are. That's what Bonnie Raitt did for me. Right? I mean, that made an Im- impression on me. Yeah. She never said AA. Yeah. But I knew what, what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. And it stayed with me. I drank for another five years after that yeah but that stayed with me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well i haven't all the songs i've written have been since i've been sober really so i don't sing a drunk song oh cool except for that one i learned on the pub crawl in dublin i should amend that but um and maybe like one cover but all the songs that i have written i have written in recovery and so to <laughs> me they are these like little secret prayers did you write these before little, Oh. You got sober? Were you? Um, I was writing really stupid stuff, like uh-huh. writing with jam bands and stuff. And but I don't remember any of those songs. I just don't really like them. But well, you right. just you just said something though a moment yeah. ago that they're, they're these songs that you've written. They're kind of like little they're just little prayers. notes. I'm slipping under your door, like hey, I, just so you know, you know they are. They're little prayers. There's. It, when I go to the jails, um, when I go home on my I ride on the ride home, I sing to just put a little bit of something into the air that I can imagine is like going over the rooftops and like going in through the bars and like slipping under the door cells, and it's like just a little bit of something that they wouldn't otherwise happen, you know. And I think music can kind of be that thing. That can yeah, music is, is spirit is in music, yeah, and spirits in in artwork. Um, yes, you said that about um, your connecting spiritually through music, and I remember when I realized that creativity. Oh, it says in the big book. I had the hardest time with the idea of God coming into AA. Oh man, and. Yeah. At one point, I realized it talks about the great creator mm-hmm. and creativity is me connecting with the creator, you could say. So, I mean, where does creativity come from? I, you know, it's, 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 it's coming from someplace other than, well, it can come from my ego. 
But when I really mm-hmm. let go and and really get in the groove, mm-hmm. it's like happening to me. I'm like a channel of something else. And that happens sometimes in performing music, too. It's like it, it's bigger than just me. And when I can feel that, then I'm connected to something larger than just myself. My, mm-hmm. my ego is can be my, like my lower power. <laughs> yeah. And That's when I'm when I'm letting go and like uh, thinking of others and projecting out in that way, you know, then that's the higher power. It's a higher place beyond just me. It helped me to be able to do artwork because uh, I couldn't paint. It was about two years before I could paint after getting sober. I, Same here. Two years for me before I started playing again. Yeah, and it was real, and that was awful. I felt like. Mm-hmm. My worst fear of getting sober was I was going to lose my life. What you know, my what am I going to be? It's going to be dull and boring from here on, from the, now to the rest of time. Mm-hmm. And it didn't turn out that way. But I had the hardest time doing artwork because I had so entangled my creativity. I had given my creativity to alcohol. Is <laughs> what yeah. I did, and it took a while to be able to get free enough to do it there's a f- old photograph of the poet dylan thomas it's a black and white photo of him outside i think it's something like a crepe myrtle which is a tree you know like a bush and has lots of branches co- going up mm-hmm. straight up and he's standing in the middle of it with his hat and he's taken his cane and turned it sideways among all those branches and he looks like he's trapped inside of this tree and he's doing it on purpose so he's saying he's trapped he died a horrible alcoholic death and i felt like i was trapped inside of alcohol and it was tangled up in everything all my creativity all my idea of what's fun yeah. it was all it was all alcohol, and I was trapped inside of it. Mm-hmm. You know that both of you said two years mm-hmm. was that mark yeah. where things changed. Mm-hmm. That's been my experience too. Really, what happened? Twice. Oh, oh um, both times. Yeah, both times. It, it, it and it it wasn't that I got uh, some some gift or talent or access to it back, but it was like um, at a, a, around two years, the first go round is when my life felt good. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, this is what life is supposed to feel like. I yeah. felt like my life was happening at at that point. And then when I, I started over in 2012, I noted in 2014 that the same thing happened yeah. because I felt like utter shit for the first year or so. Um, not horrible, that bad, but, you know, mm-hmm. it... it Life kind of sucked, you know? It's hard. And I hit that two-year mark, and it was like, all right, this is is familiar, is what Mm -hmm. I felt in 2014. When I got the Mm -hmm. second time around, I recognized that this is what had happened the time before. Mm -hmm. So it's it's interesting that it was two years for both of y'all, too. Well, the other thing I was thinking of is, to kind of bring it around, is the, you know, the newcomers. And I needed the stillness of those people with time. In the mm-hmm. rooms, you know, just that, just, they just looked so, even if they had a couple years, they just, to me, they were, there was serenity and I could yeah. see like such, there was a security and a safety. And I mean, my, my brain was going 
bonkers, but there was something leveling about being in a room full of people in recovery. And it is, I agree, it's hard. I, I have a hard time, um, you know, it's like, I think I'm at a point now, I'm, you know, where are the meetings where I'm just going to kind of get that good stuff? It's going to, because I don't want to lose what I have, but at the same time, you know, as we're talking about it, I'm remembering like, there's no way I would have gotten through those first two years without the, without those, the rocks of those people with time, yes. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, how are they doing it? As I remember looking at it, it's like, what is it with the, they looked so clean to me though. Like yeah. they just like literally clean. Like they looked uh, and, yeah. freshly scrubbed and they looked like, they looked like they, they were, you know, I could just, I imagined their days as, as just being clean and like clear and there was nothing dirty about them at all. And I just, I loved that. <laughs> I've, I felt like the meetings that I went to, I went to a noon meeting all the time when I first got sober and I'd go in there and I just like, what is it? They be exactly clean. I felt yeah. like they were all clean. That Freshly they had scrubbed. some kind of light. Like if it yeah. was a if it was a film, you know, there'd be this glow around all. I'm like, what? <laughs> Where are they getting this mm-hmm. stuff? And how are they so calm? I can't find a parking place. <laughs> and truly, then they're totally or, calm. or the fucking church. God yeah. damn it! Like, I got so pissed trying to find yeah. meetings. You walk into <laughs> the meetings. Where's okay? I'm here. And the bitch relax. better have some cookies. It's all I'm saying. Just relax. <laughs> Let go. And but, but the, the kicker yeah. on all that too is that those old timers, their their lives were not like no. all puppies oh and God, unicorns and stuff. You. Thank you. They were living life and dealing with shit too, but mm-hmm. they were not freaked out over it. From uh, oh God, they were sober. What? <laughs> yeah. So Molly, share something that work in one of the steps mm-hmm. that was pivotal. That was that changed uh, your your the way you view the world. Oh, um, so right now, right this very moment, I'm kind of working on a lot of step three and I've been step three, step three is, uh, made a decision decision to turn our our will will. and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him or her. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think in the process of working that step, we were reading out of the little red book for women and there there's is, a little red book for women yeah there's an edition for women specifically mm-hmm. i didn't know that yeah they yeah. have little annotated sections that kind of will say you know okay you know and this we're gonna take this aside because as women we may have a tendency to over nurture or over control or over function so let's take this advice or this piece here with a little bit of a grain of salt. Like it'll, yeah. it'll kind of interpret it through that lens, which mm. is, which is um, pretty great. That's really cool. It is really cool. That is. Is that a uh, little red book? Is that Hazleton? A Hazleton um, book? I don't know. I think the red book is a Hazleton book, which is a Maybe. treatment center book. Yeah. I, th- I, I think it may be, um, I, I don't think it's an AA book, but it's, it's a book that I've, I've got on my shelf as a little yeah. red book. I just, yeah. I didn't know there was it's one good. that was made for women, a little red book for women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a cool thing to know. It is a really cool thing. I think they should, you know, the segmenting is very important. There's a one, you know, my sponsor started a meeting for women of color. Okay. Um, you know, and she says it's inclusive. It is open to all, but mm-hmm. it is colors of sobriety. And because, 
sometimes, especially, and this was like right around a lot of the Black Lives Matter when that was coming up, she wanted to create a place for women to go. And a lot of times in jail, it was really important to me when I started doing that was to find women who were not white to come in there with me because it, we were there was like three or four white women going into the jails every week. They're not going to relate mm-hmm. to what we're going through, but they are they're, they're just they're not, they're going to see me as a white woman. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it shuts down at that. Point, yeah. You know? So it is a wonderful thing to say to someone else. Hey, there's a, there's a meeting for women you know, of color um, every, every Tuesday night. Now it's open to white women. I don't, I don't want to go. Like I, I respect, I respect the that space. space and not everybody does that. And that's cool. But yeah, I like it. I mean, there's something like I go to the men's meeting and mm-hmm. it's different going to a men's meeting because you, you can share yeah. differently. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a good thing. There's young people's meetings. Those are good. I That's needed good. those early on. I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and, and I think what you need just kind of changes. And, you know, there's there was a time when I needed to be at young people's and then I couldn't handle being at young people's anymore. And I started going to different meetings. And then now really it's primarily women's meetings and the jails. But I'm really starting to understand that I, I do need to hear of greater variety of experience, strength, and hope. Because that's just I'm. That's what I'm starting. Yeah, to Yeah, you don't, don't want to isolate in one type of meeting. No. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and I've been kind of doing that. Back to what? But the steps. Yeah. yeah. So with this, the, with uh, Third the Kavanaugh hearings, I think in in what's kind of been going on politically is that for the last couple of days, I've had a chance to be an angry woman, and it really sucks. It's not fun. Um, it's it's not something that feels good in any way. And so I think what I'm kind of realizing is that uh, to go back to what I think AA asks me to do is to look for the good in, in others and to look for the, to try to be, it's the St. Francis prayer, really, mm-hmm. to seek to understand rather than be understood. And because there's a, there's a lot of people that have been writing some really aggressive things on things I've posted who are in recovery. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I know from meetings and it's like, you know, and there's a part of me that just wants to come back with snark. Right. And maybe rather than a step, what I'm saying is it's, it's the St. Francis prayer is what is coming to mind. And to understand that this is a person who is probably a f- terrified or afraid or angry. And it's not important that I respond to that anger with anything other than love and anything other than trying to come at it from, from a higher powered place. And I, I wish we had more of that sort of spirit, but there's something about that turning my will and my life over and the St. Francis prayer that right now seems to me to be wanting to be something that's not trying to withdraw. You know, there was this thing that was going on today where women were going to black out their profile pictures to sort of show the world what it would be like without women. And it's like, I, and I, and yes, to my sisters, I say respect, mm-hmm. but at the same time, um, this is the time we need to be reaching our hands out, I think, you know, to, to men. Like, not that we don't need any more division. You know, we, we, need, we need to try to, I think, understand each other a little bit more. We're divided into one of the so problems with politics is we're divided into tribes. Yeah. And I like the Quaker expression there is that of God in everyone. Yeah. And if I can look for that, look for that. Yeah. And act on that, 
and see where I can be effective with that. I I can't engage in politics because I just get too angry. Yeah. And and I find that I can't I can't be effective when I'm angry Mm-mm. and I can't be effective in politics. I just can't find a way that I'm effective in politics. Yeah. Um other than voting, I mean I'll vote and pay yeah. attention and be informed. Yeah. But as far as beyond that, it's just not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I get too worked up. I get too angry. And I'm not affected. And, it, and I find that it's, it's take. Yeah, it doesn't feel good. And it ruins my mm-hmm. life. It ruins my present moment. And I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sitting here recovering as hard as I possibly can. I said, uh-huh. man, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to be fighting the world and living in anger. So how can I live? Mm-hmm. I think that's what AA is asking me to do. I like what you said about it's changing my focus. Mm-hmm. I, I was meeting with a, a service sponsee this week, and we were, we were talking about um, the things that should be left in the parking lot. You know, yeah. politics and religion and controversial issues. I yeah. love that about that is so AA. Cool. Um, it is it's true. And I'm very active on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm pretty damn liberal as well mm-hmm. and vocal in my views. But one of the things that that came of our discussion was there are a number of friends in recovery who are opposite me. Yeah. In their political views, and I'm friends with them on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I don't engage with them on those things and they don't engage with me on those Isn't things. True? Yeah. And it's been a really interesting thing that because it's a holy they ground. Could, yeah, they they could post something mm-hmm. and someone who is not in recovery could post the same thing and I may <laughs> engage with the one who is not in recovery. That's such an interesting. You respect but, their but position. because I know these people and we're trying to live the uh, the same way in so mm-hmm. many ways. It, I don't know. It stops me from doing that. That is interesting. Yeah. No, I f- I feel one hundred percent the same way. When I see someone that I'm in the rooms with say something, like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's why can we extend that humanity to them, but not others? Because we're connected. We we're are seeing can- them. We're seeing them as. Human. As human rather than as a... It's the whole thing of why it's easier to... I mean, if a picture of one child suffering, you want to give money to help out that child. But if you hear there's 500,000 suffering, well, that's a cause. And I you know, mm-hmm. I, I probably need to do that someday. But you, if I got a picture of one child, it's like, oh, God, I've got to do something for that child. Yeah. It's more of connected. Well, I think for some reason, and I was reading about this this morning, uh, like Aristotle. I've just I was I actually wanted to look up the definition of friend, Mm -hmm. and it led me down this path to Aristotle, who was talking about you know it's just the the simplicity of friend and friendship is that you look for the good in people. And he said that that is actually what makes life happy and worth living is to see the good in other people. And in friends, you mutually see the good in each other. Mm-hmm. You nurture that spark. And then in return, you, you know, you're able to be more complete, happy 
people. And I just, I think that's the way (laughs) I would really prefer to live. But he also says not everybody has that good. Yeah. And I mean, we know even from the big book that they're, you know, some are constitutionally incapable. And it's like, and and you kind of have to say, okay, I can't help that person either. It's like you can't help somebody that doesn't want to be sober. You can't. You can't make someone reciprocate kind of the the good that you see in them and in you and, and yeah. nurture the relationship. But mm-hmm. uh, that was sitting with that this morning. I like that. Yeah. I also heard someone say at one point, and I like this a lot because I tend to find fault in people, like where they're, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not acting right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if everyone was like me, it would be boring. It is the differences in people that yeah. are interesting. Mm-hmm. So let people be different. Mm-hmm. So, but look for the good. And, I, and look for mm-hmm. the look for the good mm-hmm. and celebrate the difference. I, I don't know. It's like well, I think that's what a four step helps us do. Is it's like they're not being the asshole here. I'm being the asshole. Like yes. I'm being the selfish, self centered, dishonest frightened person and then it's almost like i can see that person as 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 a real thing again there was the resentments my resentment is kind of like stripped aside and i can see that human being and i can start to see the good in them because some of my biggest resentments have been people have been at people i dearly love right (laughs) you know absolutely and like but and i and i have to get back to saying oh wait a minute this isn't them this is me and it's like once I can kind of do that inventory, I start to see that little bit of divine and the good and not just them, but then I then it's like I see it everywhere. You're as wise <laughs> as an owl. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. It's time for our old timers <laughs> question. Who are you calling an old timer? You, that's what happens if you don't drink and you don't die. Well, no matter how long you've been sober, it's still one day at a time, Shani. Now I've got my long hair on today at share. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to ask a question, go to boiledowlaa.org. We have a question. Good. And we actually have a question that was submitted from the internet. What the is web. your favorite color? <laughs> <laughs> this question comes from Laurie. And Laurie says, Hey, Don and Sam. Man, I love your podcast. Stumbled across it on the weekend, and I've been sharing it with my friends in the fellowship. Here's a question. What do you say to a sponsee who won't do service work of any kind? Sponsor others? Take on a service role in her home group or district, etc.? She keeps saying she will and agrees she should, but never does. The whole point of the program is to get sober, clean house, help others. In your experience, what are the consequences on not doing the full program? There's two questions there, it seems like. One is, what are the consequences of not doing the full program? And that's something that I've experienced from playing with all the elements of the program, seeing how much do I need to do? Do I, you know, I saw cut back on my morning prayer and meditation, but I will have uh, sponsees and go to meetings regularly, or I'll back off on meetings, but continue to do my prayer and meditation and just play with all the elements and see what's really important and how much I need to do to stay sober. 
But I found that what works is really I've got to include all of it and be involved and be in the center of AA. And then I, I feel good. So that's what works. But as far as, so what do you do with a sponsee who won't follow your example is really what it amounts to. Is it something, what do you do about a girl like Maria? <laughs> you, you can't, yeah, you yeah. can't. There's a song um, there somewhere. There is. <laughs> what do you do, 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 do like Maria? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not exactly that, not exactly but yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> How do you solve a problem like Maria? There we go. There yes, is. yes. <laughs> <laughs> One thing you can't do is tell Maria what to do. Right. And yeah. Maria's not going to do it. Mm-mm. Nobody can tell me what to do. They still can't. As soon as anybody told me what to do, I'm going to do the opposite of it. Because mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm a calcitrant and contrary. Kind of like me on a sound check. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and I'm, I'm still that way. That's my, and my instinct is, you said no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do exactly the opposite. So it doesn't work to tell somebody what to do. It doesn't work to tell somebody what to do in sobriety. And I've even had sponsee that was like, I could see that they were going, that they were fucking up and that this was a bad idea. I had a, I had a guy who wanted to get married to someone a one year sober and they met in treatment. Ooh, winner. And it was like, this is this is not good. This is not, <laughs> not a good idea. And so I only had two years of sobriety. And I talked to some old timers that I trusted. And they were going, oh, this is like, you can tell them that the, the experience of AA, that this is not going to work. So I did. And he fired me of course, mm-hmm. and got married. And uh, years later, I saw him, and, he, and it didn't work out. One, mm-hmm. one thing, if you know, if you get into a relationship within recovery, people do, and it works. But one thing to think about, if that other person ever decides to drink again, you have married a bad drunk. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> no, I love that saying. It's like, if you want to get in a relationship in AA... The odds are good, but the goods are odd. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I hadn't heard that in so long. Really, yes. Yeah. That's right. So, but my point with that story was I told him what to do. He what, he didn't do mm-hmm. it. And and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And, and I now look at it as really there's nothing with any sponsees that I lay down the law. And, and also... I don't know what to do. So the only thing mm-hmm. I can offer is my example. And if it comes to a point where it's on and on, I've had sponsees where it's just been clear that they were never going to do what I was saying. And it's like every time we would meet, they have the same problems, bring the same problems to the table. And it's all the same and nothing ever changes. and No advice or experience that I have to offer is ever taken up. Well, at some point, it's like I don't know why we're why we're continuing to meet because I don't have anything to offer you. So there's a communication problem or something like that, and that you need to talk with someone else who maybe that you can relate to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've done that, 
you know, but not in anger or bitterness. It's mm. come to come to realization that it doesn't work because you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, and that's mm-hmm. just the way it is. Yeah. What's your experience, Molly? I think the greatest thing I ever heard about service is sometimes just showing up to a meeting is a great act of service, mm-hmm. and reaching your hand out to a newcomer is really sometimes that's all you need to do. There's and for someone who is new, the concept of being in service is kind of overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And they might just need to know that they're doing enough, that just by showing up is, is enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I like the description I heard a while ago that there are bills and there are bobs in recovery. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Bob was very much into helping people, direct help of alcoholics, working one-on-one with them. Oh, you're talking about our founders. Founders, yes. Bill and... And Bill was bigger picture. Bill was getting into the administration, the service work. I got an idea, see? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I've, so I've heard it said that, you know, and, and obviously there are those of us that are combinations of Bill and Bob, mm-hmm. but there's Bills and Bobs. One of the best pieces of advice that I have gotten or heard in AA is doing the service that, that Laurie is talking about here is not for everyone, mm-hmm. but you should check it out. Yeah. Um, that thing of contempt prior to investigation, I love that quote. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. Uh, I'm still really good at that type of thing, but I owe it a fair shake to go and experience what it is that I'm resistant to, mm-hmm. to see if I'm actually informed or if I'm just making a, ju- a prejudgment. Yeah. That's what it is for me on the service side of things. I've got a have and have had sponsees over the years. You know, their service doesn't look like mine, and that's okay. They have found different ways of being of service. Some have been chairing their home group meeting. Some have been showing up. Some have been serving on a committee that's doing a, 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 a conference. Uh, some, so some have not even been directly in AA. It's been on the peripheries. Some don't do any. My experience is that I need to do service because I get fulfillment out of it. You find it rewarding. I do. And so it's something that is a part of my recovery. It's a part of my life. Uh, it's something that I apparently knew I needed before I ever got sober, because one of the things I was trying to do prior to getting sober was volunteer to feel good, except drinking got in the way. <laughs> you know? I would commit to volunteer for a period of time and then stop showing up because I'd rather go get drunk. Now, when it comes to this idea of telling people what to do, it doesn't work. You I can't wish. tell me what to do. I mean, the only people who can tell me what to do, that's my sponsor. Yeah. You know, my sponsor, I take his direction well, but I've had sponsees over the years who have not taken my direction. And so I don't tend to give direction now. I offer up options. Something I offered one recently who was experiencing this this thing of, you know, I've kind of fallen off the beam of doing the things, uh, of doing the prayer, the meditation, the going to meetings, the this, the that, the other. And this was something that 
and I don't always do this, but I decided to take it on for myself as well. I created myself a spiritual daily menu. And <laughs> so I have this list of things that are the menu available to me for today. And I can pick to do this one and I can do this one. I'm not going to do them all. I'm just not that. You're an a la carte type of guy. I aren't love you? that. <laughs> yes, yes. And so. I've got this thing that I've been doing for a week now that is just like checking off of, you know, prayer is an everyday thing. So that that one's a gimme, but it's still on the list. (laughs) I got to have one win at least. (laughs) But, you know, meditation or exercise or fellowship or talking with my sponsor or talking with a sponsee, going to a meeting. And these are things that are on this list that I can look at this list and it's like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. What about making a bingo board? Of spiritual activities, (laughs) things you can do. Just, you know, try and get three across. (laughs) Actually, no. What you just gave me is an awesome idea for a bingo (laughs) board for meetings. When so-and-so says this, or when are you going to hear this? (laughs) Not to cross-talk, but (laughs) sorry I'm late. (laughs) I don't mean to double dip. Totally. <laughs> Let everybody join the game. I've found I, my million-dollar this... idea. <laughs> All right. Well, Molly, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Absolutely. This has been fan- a lot of fun. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you join me in an owl hoot? Okay. But what's your rhythm going to be like? Like what? It's going to be like this. We can practice it. Okay. Ready? Oh. Are One, we do- two, two, three. three. Oh, four? Nobody fucking says four. <laughs> okay, we'll do it. Here we go. I okay. got the countdown. One. We're going to do it on six. <laughs> do it on- You're doing it on three. We're doing it on three. After and three. I'm counting. Okay. One, two. Thanks for joining us. The Boiled Owl podcast is posted on the 1st and 15th of every month. Visit our website at boiledowlaa.org or email us at giveahoot at boiledowlaa.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous in your city or visit aa.org. Please note, Boiled Owl AA is produced by members of AA and only expresses our experience and opinions. It is not endorsed by AA World Services. Okay, we actually have something about that. It's um, from the big book. It is from the big book. Stop. It's from the big book. I mean, I love all the little odd things mm-hmm. in the big book, like out come the carpet slippers in a bottle yeah. and shivering denizens and <laughs> those, those expressions like that. And one of them in the book is boiled as an owl. And so Laurie, who submitted our old-timers question, sent a follow-up email, and in that uh, she said, just one thing about the boiled owl reference. Boiled was a term for drunk in those days. The owl reference is about someone's glassy-eyed look when loaded. Put them together, and you're boiled as an owl. Wow. Wow. That's kind of cool. That is cool. So you're drunk on coffee. 
Yeah, I guess we are. Because <laughs> we're not drinking alcohol in here. <laughs> <laughs> Boiled as a now. <laughs>